Welcome into the Platform Podcast Kettlebell Fat Blast Edition. I am your host, Jordan Cundy Wright, founder and head coach of the Twin Cities Kettlebell Club. On these special episodes, I'm going to be telling you about my own personal journey to get into the best shape of my life, and shit's about to get real. Uh, I'm going to take you along on this journey with me and tell you about the good, the bad, the ugly, and share the successes and struggles along the way. I'll talk about the frameworks and methods that I'm applying to accomplish this goal uh, and the why behind them without the BS and fluff you see on social media every day. Uh, I'm excited and nervous to be kicking off these episodes. Uh, And in episode number two, I'm going to get into my lessons from dry January. Some of my history with uh, addictive, destructive, maladaptive uh, behaviors in the past. Uh, why that matters and and why I decided to take on a dry January and some of the, the lessons that I learned from it and as well as some of the strategies that I employed um, to successfully complete it um, and hopefully some lessons that can be pulled forward um, you know as I move forward and hopefully there are strategies that you can employ in your own life uh, as well around anything that you struggle with uh, whether it be alcohol or other substances or food um, you know that's that's definitely a through line that can tie in elsewhere so if you're interested in following along on my journey you can follow my special instagram profile at uh, kettlebell fat blast all one word And as always, if you're appreciating the content that I'm putting out there, I would appreciate if you would support the show by supporting my affiliates and leaving a five-star rating and review in your app of choice. Thank you so much for listening. All right, welcome into another episode of the Platform Podcast. This one is a Kettlebell Fat Blast Podcast episode. Um, Talking a little bit about dry January and how that went. So in case you missed my episode with uh, Audrey Carlson, she is a licensed medical family therapist as well as an addiction counselor. Um, We talked in late December uh, about uh, doing dry January and some tips for a successful dry January and how you could go about um, setting yourself up for a successful um, month off from drinking and and why that might be important and some of the benefits of that. Um, And so I took that on uh, myself and I got into a lot of the reasons why um, in in previous episodes, but in case you missed those episodes, and this is the first time you're, you're tuning in, um, you know, I have had a, a history in my life of using substances uh, to mask pain and hide from various things. Um, I have a history of self-destructive uh, behavioral patterns. So, you know, starting out very young, um, you know, say, I think sixth sixth grade is the first time I can remember intentionally uh, not eating, um, intentionally making myself throw up, intentionally using laxatives um, to to go to the bathroom to try and keep my weight down. Um, you know, so I had uh, a, 
proclivity for uh, eating disorder, uh, disordered uh, behavior, uh, self-destructive types of, of behaviors, um, restrictive and, and binging patterns, um, you know, so uh, addictive type of addictive type of patterns. And those things, when you have them, um, especially at such a young age, are often things that, that are with you for a while and things that sometimes take professional intervention uh, to help you deal with, um, which uh, is somewhat the case for me, though I never I never got to the point where I needed like uh, professional intervention for uh, eating disorders. Um, but I have had therapy I've had, you know, and those are things that we've talked about in therapy. Um, you know, so, um, you know, and then, you know, in, into, into high school, I, 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 I probably went the other direction and, and probably started having, you know, body dysmorphia, uh, a little bit, which, uh, is basically the, the antithesis of, uh, anorexia or the other side, the other side of the spectrum of anorexia, where, where in anorexia, you believe that you're never thin enough. Um, and even someone who is incredibly, incredibly thin will still view themselves as not skinny enough to, to be attractive or to be what they, you know, what they want. And the, the thinner they get, the, the better they feel about themselves. Um, body dysmorphia is kind of the other side of that. Um, it's a, it's a disordered, it's a disordered pattern where you're never big enough muscular enough. Um, and you, you legitimately don't perceive your body in the same way that other people do. Um, and so muscularity and size and things, um, uh, are things that, that can be pursued, um, to a level that's, that's unhealthy. Um, you know, you see some, some bodybuilders, not all, um, have this, um, you know, and, and some, you know, have other disordered behaviors, but not all. Uh, that is a misnomer that that is often out there. That all that all bodybuilders have body dysmorphia. No, some of them are huge, and they know that they're huge. Um, but there are some that, no matter how big they get, they still don't they still don't perceive themselves as being huge or uh, strong enough or big enough or muscular enough, ripped enough, um, etc. So um, I kind of went that direction, though it wasn't about being ripped. It was just about being huge. Um, you know, and, and then into college, I, you know, transitioned more to, to binge pattern behaviors and, uh, binging, binge drinking, binge eating, uh, you know, taking, taking pain medication, um, that I was prescribed for a back injury. And then, you know, uh, and then when they wouldn't refill my prescriptions, buying them, you know, just from, from a drug dealer, um, you know, getting, getting Vicodin, um, which was fairly easy to do when you're, you're, in, uh, on a college campus. Um, but, you know, abusing, abusing painkillers, abusing muscle relaxants, abusing alcohol, uh, abusing marijuana, all of those things kind of in combination, um, you know, uh, especially in college, um, especially late in college when I did legitimately have a back injury. Um, but anyways, um, so I have a history of, uh, problems with substances in general, and especially towards binge and shame. Um, are my main are my main patterns. Uh, anorexia was never my favorite thing because, <laughs> you know, why deny yourself something that you really truly enjoy and you can just like overindulge on it and then throw it up. Um, so um, that's you know that that was the logic behind you know going more uh, in the bulimic uh, binge pattern um, than than doing the anorexia thing. Um, not that there was necessarily a logic behind it, but really just that's my personality. Um, you know, too much is always better than uh, you know not enough. Um, so 
um, you know, as I, as I've worked through a lot of these, these struggles, um, you know, in my, in my adult life, um, you know, I, I, I largely left problematic drinking behind me, um, you know, and I, I definitely kicked, uh, I definitely kicked any painkiller abuse, um, you know, uh, relatively early, you know, I, I had, I had some, some good people around me, you know, who loved me, who, who told me I was, I was screwing things up, um, you know, and not going to class and, you know, et cetera, my senior year of college. So I mostly kicked, I mostly kicked that habit, um, you know, um, shortly, shortly after, um, shortly after my, my back injury finally started healing. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, the, the, the binge drinking and, uh, smoking weed and, and those types of things, you know, took a lot longer. Um, but in, into my, you know, into my mid twenties, uh, and into my later twenties, I, I mostly got my drinking under control, especially when I decided to get healthy and lose weight and, um, got really got into health and fitness and was a personal trainer. Um, you know, I was not drinking very much. There was actually a period of time. I, I took like almost a year off from drinking basically at all. I would very rarely drink, um, you know, uh, and, and that was, and that was important for what I was trying to do for, as far as losing weight and, uh, you know, getting healthier. So, um, I, I didn't drink very much or hardly ever. Um, but, um, you know, into my, into my thirties and, and, and now, um, you know, I'm 37 now. Um, I, I still have some issues with, uh, alcohol and, and how it crops up. And for me, it's, it's kind of, it can be kind of a slippery slope. Um, and, and that's really what I realized, um, during the pandemic is that for me, it, it really became a thing that filled the gaps. Um, you know, and what I mean by that is I didn't have my usual routine. I didn't have my, uh, I didn't have my daily commute. I didn't have the structure in my life that helped kind of anchor me to a routine. Um, I couldn't go see people. I, I didn't have my community. I couldn't go see my friends um, and, and a lot of those things. So I found myself during the pandemic drinking a lot more um, than I should, particularly with frequency was really kind of how it started. It, you know, it kind of started as like a, a drink a day every day though that was the thing like having a drink or two every day um and and then and then it was oh a drink after work or after i worked out um and then but on saturday night or friday night you know going into the weekend uh, i would drink several drinks because i didn't have to work the next day or i didn't have to be up early for meetings right you know so so then it would be you know, several drinks, and then it would be, you know, many, many drinks, you know, um, like six, seven, eight drinks in a sitting, you know, uh, getting, getting drunk, um, by myself, which is not a good thing. Um, you know, and so I, I realized that, that I was backsliding into, into a bad, into a bad pattern. Um, and then, you know, the, the cumulative number of drinks for the week might, you know, was progressively creeping up, even though I was like, maybe only getting drunk, uh, and not even like super drunk, but like getting drunk enough that I would be, be buzzed and, 
have uh, maybe wake up with a with a, a slight headache in the morning, you know, a slight hangover. Um, but I was also growing a tolerance, which is, you know, as we learned from Audrey, um, you know, one of the signs uh, that you you are, you know, trending towards uh, problematic drinking, right? When you're when you're you need more and more to get the same effect, and you're you're intentionally drinking more to get the the desired effect, you know, um, you know, so it was trending the wrong direction. And, and what had been, you know, a drink a day became two drinks a day plus, you know, a, a, a binge on, on a weekend or, you know, um, et cetera, you know, so those, those types of patterns um, can, can really become problematic. And I'm happy that now I have a level of awareness when I see those things happening that I can, um, kind of press pause and take a time out or realize I, I at least am observational enough about it and recognize the patterns and realize that, that things are going the wrong direction. Sometimes it takes a little while and it gets worse than it should maybe before, before I recognize it. Um, but it's, it, I'm getting better and better about it. And um, the more times that I take time to look into why it is I am the way I am, um, the better and better I get about it. So um, this this dry January, um, which is not something that I've participated in very often in my life, honestly, it was never something that I that I felt particularly necessary. It was just something uh, like if I decided to quit drinking, I just quit drinking um, for a period of time. I didn't I didn't I didn't have an arbitrary reason or, or you know do it you know. But this was this was intentional. It was a it was a chance for me to to step back in these unique circumstances that is uh, COVID quarantining at home, you know, or sheltering in place, staying, staying at home, um, you know, put me in a little bit of a pressure cooker, like, like it did for, for all of us and, uh, gave me the opportunity to, to really look at some of the triggers and some of the things that, that are, um, that have led me down this path and, and why, uh, I felt it necessary to, to do this, um, because it was suboptimal what I was doing, and it was taking me away from the goals, the stated goals that I that I had, and I wasn't living congruently with what um, I I wanted to be doing with my team, with my you know with my athletes that I coach, with my nutrition clients, uh, right? So I felt like it was important, um, you know, well to to again refer back to like the imposter syndrome thing, um, you know the 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 drinking patterns made me feel more like a fraud because I was living incongruously with what I was telling people, you know, as far as sustainable, healthy lifestyles is really what my coaching is about and drinking as much and as frequently as I am or was, was not a sustainable, healthy lifestyle. So the more I did that, the less, uh, the more like a fraud I felt, the more like an imposter I felt, and that was not helpful. Um, so I, I was beginning to feel, uh, like I was living incongruently with what I was telling people. So that was a case of imposter syndrome being legitimate because uh, I was doing a behavior that was definitely not in line with the identity that I was putting forward to the world. So it was, you know, that, that cognitive dissonance was, was giving me some legitimate feedback that it was time for me to look at myself and, and look at what I was doing and take some time. So 
Um, that's why I reached out to Audrey and got her help, um, you know, privately first, and then asked her to come onto the podcast. Um, you know, and she wasn't treating me in a professional capacity. She just gave me some advice and pointed me to some resources. Um, I, you know, I got other professional help out, you know, outside of Audrey, because that's a, that's a, a you know, a relationship that I don't want to cross those boundaries. So we didn't, we didn't, uh, we didn't do that, but, um, you know, she, she has been a great support to me, um, as, as a friend and, you know, as a teammate. Um, so, Oh, thank you, Audrey. I, I very much appreciate you. I, rec- I want to recognize that that's important. Um, you know, but I also want to call out that, you know, I didn't, I didn't hire her for that. I, you know, I reached out to other resources that I had for that. So, um, <clears throat> but anyways, um, so, you know, into dry January, um, I can say that I did, um, I did successfully complete my intentional dry January, um, though I did not go all the way to January 31st. Um, January 30th was a Saturday and a Saturday night, um, and um, I had gotten a really good deal on some uh, on some Chilean sea bass. Um, and I, I, when I purchased the sea bass, I, I decided, okay, um, whenever I cook this. Uh, I am going to have a nice glass of wine with this sea bass because sea bass is not cheap um, and it's kind of a decadent uh, thing for me. I don't get to eat it often and I have to cook it when my wife generally isn't in the house because she doesn't like the smell of fish. Um, So I had to wait until she was going to be at work. Um, And so it just so happened that she worked that weekend um, and uh, I was able to, I was able to cook it uh, that Saturday and and I had a nice glass of Chardonnay with it. Um, I didn't go out and buy a special bottle. I just drank a glass of boxed Chardonnay, black box Chardonnay that my wife had in the fridge, um, but it went well with the meal. It was a planned thing, which was one of the things that, that we had talked about, that Audrey and I had talked about um, on the podcast, like plan, if you're, if you're going to, if you're going to start drinking or, you know, you're going to take a moderation approach, one of the approaches is to plan your drinking and to, and to only drink when it's planned and to that limit it's your, the amount that you're going to drink. And so I had one glass of wine um, with my fish as the planned end to my dry January. Um, it was excellent. Um, and I, I got to really kind of savor the, the flavor of the wine, which was great, um, and savor the food and enjoy the experience. And, and they are kind of complimentary for me because I have some background in that. Um, so um, that was really important to me um, that I that I kind of ended it on my terms. Um, and I didn't feel it was important to make the arbitrary deadline of, of, you know, all the way through January 31st, it was just more important to me that I ended it on my terms and could show myself that I can have a moderation approach, um, successfully, um, and, and reinforce that pattern, which was great. And I did that. Um, so, but it's also important that, you know, I reflected back on what were the lessons that I learned? What did I learn about myself? Um, maybe these are some things that can, that can help uh, other people, you know? So, um, you know, as I journaled uh, and kind of paid attention to what my, what my triggers are, um, like a lot of people, stress uh, is, a, is a trigger for me. Um, and, you know, boredom is also a trigger for me, which is a big part of the reason um, I think that during the pandemic, when there weren't as many social activities, there weren't things uh, going on as much. Uh, I didn't have to take the kids to uh, hockey practice, you know, or things like that. Like there weren't as many social commitments, um, you know, and then 
with my wife uh, being in graduate school and working in the in the ER uh, evenings sometimes you know there's a lot of there's a lot of nights alone at home with not a lot to do um, and I'm not a huge TV watcher um, so uh, there wasn't a ton for me to do and so boredom was sometimes a reason why I would have uh, why I would have a drink and um, one of my good friends from college actually started a podcast during uh, quarantine that was about bourbons and spirits um and he he and a friend were reviewing different bourbons and early early on in quarantine um you know I, that was one of the ways that i i could kind of connect was to to get the same bottle of bourbon and and drink the same bourbon and uh, appreciate the same bourbon and you know um so it was kind of a thing that i would do out of boredom and that was usually not uh, a, a terrible, a terrible problem. Um, but you know, when you start drinking because you're bored, it can become problematic. Um, and then it was a way for me that I was kind of also, I, I realized that I was seeking social connection. Um, so I was, I was looking for, I, you know, I would love to be able to get together with, uh, with my friends and enjoy a bourbon with them. Um, you know, that's a different experience. That's a social experience. And what I realized very, very late, um, you know, but, but during this, this process of dry January, what I realized is what I miss more than anything about those, those experiences is the, the shared experience of, of having a drink with, with friends. I miss the social component. I do like the alcohol and I do like appreciating wine with, with other people who are wine aficionados. I, I appreciate having a beer with people who are beer aficionados. I appreciate having a bourbon with people who are bourbon aficionados because it's a shared experience where you talk about the, you talk about what you like about the, the beer, the wine, the bourbon, whatever. And you, you know, it's a, it's a shared sense, you know, sensory experience. I almost said sensual, <laughs> which would sound weird. Um, you know, but <laughs> I guess it is sensual, but, um, not in, not in a sexual way. Um, but a, a shared sensory experience, uh, with friends. Right. Um, and it, it kind of gives you a, a shared context to, to enjoy that, that situation. Um, so, I really, really like that. That's one of the things I liked about being a bartender is I would get to make a drink for somebody and get to see their reaction. It's like being a chef, right? You, you make a, a dish for someone, you get to see them eat it and see their enjoyment and talk to them about it, right? I loved that um, about being a bartender, you know, making recommendations that were good recommendations. I love doing those things. Um, so I've, I've really come to realize that um, loneliness is a big trigger for me, for just substances in general, um, not wanting to feel alone. Um, that can be food, that can be alcohol, um, right? Just that's a big trigger for me, not wanting to feel alone. Um, and feeling alone makes me want to turn to substances to feel better. And that's not, um, that's not, that's not helpful <laughs> because what I realized, uh, again, probably much later than I probably should have is that, uh, when I drink by myself, I enjoy like the first drink or two. Um, but once I get to the point of where it's starting to make me intoxicated or I'm starting, you know, I'm starting to get a buzz, um, which is usually for me drink three, uh, I'm a bigger guy. So it usually takes me a little bit longer, you know, but like drink three, drink four, um, then I'm, then I'm, 
I'm not enjoying it. <laughs> um, the loneliness is not improving because I'm drinking by myself. Oh, weird. <laughs> but, you know, a depressant like alcohol actually makes that loneliness worse. Um, it really not something that should be shocking, um, you know, and logically it's not. But for me, it was it was kind of a big revelation that I was I was trying to simulate the experience of drinking with friends by drinking by myself, um, which is really not, really not a good plan. Um, so I've, I've come to realize that, that drinking by myself is, uh, is a big, uh, is a big problem, you know, so, um, I don't want to drink by myself. Um, and, but realizing that, that it actually makes me miss my friends more, uh, helps me understand the why I like it. And I, now I don't feel guilty about enjoying, uh, it, it, it kind of normalized for me that, oh, maybe it's not, I don't have a, I don't have a problem with, uh, you know, with moderation because, uh, I have a problem with alcohol. I have a problem with missing my friends. <laughs> That's the problem. So, oh, what do I need to do to fix that? I need to connect with my friends more. Um, I don't need to drink more. I need to connect with my friends more. So I've, I've made it a point of, of trying to schedule regular calls with my friends and, um, you know, see people that I miss and tell them that I miss them and uh, make it a point to, to try and have more regular contact with people, right? Connection is the antithesis of addiction is something that I've read recently as I've been reading about this. Um, so connection to others and connection to community is one of the best antidotes um, to addictive behavior and addiction. Um, so um, it is something for me that was that was important to realize and maybe, you know, <laughs> for other people, it's a relatively obvious thing. Uh, but for me, it was like a big epiphany uh, to realize that that what I actually missed was connection to my friends. And I was trying to I was trying to to fake it by, by, uh, drinking by myself. And, um, you know, anyways, um, so I, I've, I've kind of stopped doing that and, and tried to replace it more with, with connection. Um, you know, and another big one for me was, um, uh, like flavor seeking, um, you know, realizing that it, it's kind of just a habitual thing, right. Um, but you know, the, at the end of the day, um, you, you like the, you like the taste of a beer or you like the taste of a, you like the taste of a bourbon, um, and your body kind of associates it with unwinding and de-stressing. Um, but there's also a part of it that, that is just like, I like, I like things that taste like something I like, I like flavor. I'm a, you know, I'm a foodie. I like good food. I cook. I'm, you know, I'm a bartender. <laughs> I like making drinks. I know about these things. Um, and what they all have in common is, is flavor. Um, so flavor seeking is definitely part of that. And that's like part of the reason sometimes people uh, eat food, even when they're not hungry, um, it, you know, is, is they're just, they just are seeking flavor. They're seeking sensory input. They're seeking stimulation, um, you know, and I'm definitely one of those people. Like if there's food in front of me that I know is good and I like it, um, even if I'm full, a lot of times I will continue eating it. So that's why I have to make it a point to, to remove it from my, uh, to remove it from my plate or, you know, remove it from the table if I'm, if I'm no longer hungry. Um, so a big thing for me has actually been drinking um, sparkling water, flavored sparkling water. I have, <laughs> 
it's, you know, it was comical, you know, uh, you know, I, I loaded up my cart with six, seven, eight different things of like bubbly sparkling water and different flavors. I had the colors of the rainbow, uh, in our, in our fridge and, and in our store, you know, in our pantry, ready, ready to throw a new case in the fridge when the previous one, uh, was gone. So, um, but just realizing that I like, I like flavor and, and replacing it with a better option. Uh, you know, I like the fizz. I like the flavor of the water and it gives me something that doesn't have any calories. I'm still just drinking water, but it's got a little bit of flavor. It's got a little bit of fizz. That was a big thing for me. Um, you know, so, so a lot of just small things, small replacements, but realizing, um, you know, when I'm bored, find something to do that, 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 so that you're not bored. Weird. Um, when you're stressed out, do stress management techniques, um, take a walk, meditate. Um, journaling has been really big for me. I was, I was journaling, you know, about my feelings and about my triggers. Um, now I've been doing a lot more focused effort around, uh, my personal development and, uh, my business, uh, focus, you know, what I need to do at work during my day job, what I want to do with my clients, what I want to do with my, you know, with my business uh, for the Twin Cities Kettlebell Club, deciding I was going to do a competition October 9th, um, you know, hosting the competition here in the Twin Cities, um, you know, starting to work on on other projects, um, you know, so a lot of those things when you're when you're bored, find other things to do. Um, when you're stressed, do stress management technique techniques. When you're lonely, call someone that you love. <laughs> and tell them that you miss them. Um, tell them that you love them. Talk to them. See what's going on in their life. Um, you know, super simple, it would seem. Um, but how many of us actually do it? Like make time. And one thing I, I've, I've found helpful is to actually schedule time and say like, hey, can we have a, a regular call? Like I'm going to call you every two weeks right? I'm going to, I'm going to call you, uh, on the weekend, right? It, you know, it, it, it can be helpful. Um, so those are just some of the things that, that I've learned, um, in, you know, I really think it was, I really think it was useful. There's a lot of lessons that, that translate, you know, um, from, for, you know, for me, it's alcohol. Um, I, I've, I've largely done, so I, I've done a lot of work with food already. Um, and it was, I didn't realize that, that I needed to do work with alcohol too. Um, I probably should have realized that, um, you know, I, I dealt with, uh, you know, the painkiller thing. I, then I dealt with alcohol. Uh, now I, or no, I'm sorry. Then I dealt with food. Now, now I needed to deal with alcohol. Um, you know, so just keep knocking things off. Um, but you know, of course the triggers are mostly the same. It's mostly the same stuff. Um, and uh, it's just a matter of, of figuring those things out and, and finding healthy substitutions or other, or other things. So um, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and take these lessons learned and um, I'm going to attempt to do a moderation approach again. Um, you know, now with, with better clarity around what my triggers are and with better, you know, structures in place and, and knowing uh, what it is I need to do and what I don't want to do. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to start doing more. I'm going to start doing more of those things. Um, but, um, so my approach is my planned approach is moderation and, and having planned, uh, drinks, you know, once, once, twice a week, um, within, you know, very reasonable, uh, confines. Um, but if that becomes difficult, um, or if I find myself slipping and backsliding, um, then, then the approach might just be to eliminate it again. Um, you know, but it was nice to confirm that I can do that without, without, uh, without much problem. 
Um, I didn't, I didn't have a ton of cravings. I had some, I had some triggers, especially early on. Um, but, um, after about a week, it was, it was mostly no big deal. Um, so even, even if I stopped by the liquor store to get wine for my wife, I was fine. Um, but, uh, anyways, that's my dry January story and, uh, some of the things I've learned and hopefully some, some things that will be helpful, helpful for other people. Um, you know, talk to me about it on social media or, you know, text me, email me, Twin Cities Kettlebell Club at Gmail. Um, I want to hear other people's, uh, other people's uh, struggles, insights, successes, especially. <laughs> Please tell me about the successes. Um, I, you know, I do want to, if you, if you have struggles, I do want to hear about those too, but especially the successes. If you, if you rocked your dry January, if I can own that shit, I, I want to hear about it because um, I think we all need, we all need to amplify some more positivity right now. So, um, I hope, I hope things are going well for you and, um, you know, hit me up and we'll be back with, uh, another episode in the future and, uh, more interviews are coming. So, uh, I'm, I've got some interviews on the docket that I'm, that I'm super excited about. So, uh, I look forward to getting them out there. Thank y'all. And, uh, until next time, stay well, grow or die. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Platform Podcast. I'm Jordan Kundi Wright. If you have a question, please email me at TwinCitiesKettlebellClub at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at TwinCitiesKettlebellClub, on Twitter at TCKBClub, online at TwinCitiesKettlebellClub.com, and please help us grow our reach and give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.